can't be a statistic I can't really ever allow myself to go down a road of you know making decisions that could really impact my life and permanently damage my life as well so it was in the following year that I ended up running for young mayor of Newham and that was where my passion for young people and my passion for really inspiring young people to want to contribute better to our community really came from i think for anyone that's trying to find your find your voice first find yourself <laughs> i think when i started to discover me myself like who i am what do i stand for what are my beliefs what are my morals what are my values like you know tupac shakur said something you know if you if you don't stand for anything if you don't live for anything you'll fall for anything you know, and you've got to have something you live for. You have to have a value you stand by, you know, and one of the things I stand by more than anything is integrity. The best I can say is that you don't have to see your environment as a limitation. You can see your environment as a ladami, where you can actually use your environment for you to step into rooms that and educate people that don't have any insight into your background, any insight into your area. And you can be that voice. You can be that voice that actually helps people understand um, and helps people have a greater hand in how they can help your communities. Quick one, if you'd like to support us on our journey to a thousand, please do consider subscribing and following this podcast, wherever it is you're listening to us. Thank you. Hello everybody and welcome to 1000 Voices, the podcast on a mission to interview 1000 inspirational black Bruins. Today's guest is Hayley Melinda, who's an international public speaker and an author. Hayley has traveled all over the globe and delivered presentations to Fortune 500 companies. And in this interview, she speaks about how anybody can begin to use their voice to impact the change that they want to make. Taking it back, Hayley talks to us about how a young lady from Newham was able to develop her voice and still is developing her voice. She speaks to us about the motivations behind the work that she does. And she talks to us about some of the challenges that she's had to go through throughout her journey so far. So without further ado, this is 1000 Voices and here we have Hayley Melinda. Cool. All right, great. So thank you very much, Hayley, for coming onto the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Tevin. How are you doing? I'm all good. I'm all good. I can't complain. Can't complain at all. And yeah, very, very much appreciate you coming onto the podcast today. Like I was saying to you just before we start recording, I've known your name, I guess, for a little while, sort of like from a similar sort of area, from around the corner in it, basically. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing the work that you've been doing from afar. And when I started this thing, I thought it would be great to get you on, to hear your story. Yeah, and just for you to share what you're doing with our community of listeners. And I'm sure that people are going to be very, very inspired by the work that you're doing. Thank you. What I'd like to do, just to start things off, you know, lay a little foundation, just Mm -hmm. talk about your upbringing. So where are you from? What was the area like? And yeah, what was your upbringing like, very generally speaking? Okay, I'm from East London, coming from the borough of Newham. Grew up in a single parent household, you know, I went to the like latest school that there is in Newham, which is St. Angela's. So literally you're known for the brown school uniform. And you know, yeah. we had a we had a name back in the day. We had a name that we were the loudy chatty girls. Um and I remember <laughs> just literally just growing up like I didn't really have many aspirations in life. I think my aspiration, honestly, when I was in primary school was to go to St. Angela's because it was the only secondary school that I feel like if you was a girl, a young black girl growing up in Newham, like that was a school that your parents wanted you to go to, especially if you came from a Christian or Catholic background, which was my background um, growing up. So I think when I got to that school, when I got to secondary school, I think that's when I started really thinking about the area and I started thinking about my environment and the fact that I didn't necessarily want this environment to be my story um so my upbringing was you know christian background um 
you know, um, very much collective community, meaning that I had like lots of aunties that were babysitting me. I had lots of people, lots of cousins, even though they weren't really your cousins, you're saying, oh, that's my cousin, you know what I mean? So yeah, I definitely had that type of that childhood and upbringing. But I think it's when I got to secondary school, that's when I started really thinking about my future, how I can contribute actually to Newham as a community and how I can actually contribute to my generation. And it was when I was so I'm, I've am i always been a very friendly person. I'm very friendly. I'm always outgoing. I'm very much down for my people. Like, you know, I'm getting married later this year and about about 80% of my bridal party Congrats. is my St. Andrew's girl. You know, thank you. So, you know, um, I've, I've always been in touch with people. I've always been in touch with people. Even half my bridal party is actually my primary school friends and then 80% of them are my secondary school friends. So, that says a lot about how I roll deep. I roll deep with my people and just my upbringing was very much friend-centered. So I was always with friends, I was always around my girls, I was always around the people that I was basically building with. And it basically started shifting for me when I got to year 10. Yeah, when I got to year 10, I nearly got stabbed. Um, so I nearly got stabbed in um, West Ham Park by a friend. A friend set me up for my Blackberry. Um, never forget it was Valentine's Day in 20, 2012 or 2011. And I think that was, I remember literally getting, being so scared to go home, scared to sh- tell my brother. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, this can't be my life. Like, I can't be a statistic. I can't really ever allow myself to go down a road of, you know, making decisions that could really impact my life and permanently damage my life as well. So it was in the following year that I ended up running for young mayor of Newham. And that was where my passion for young people and my passion for really inspiring young people to want to, contribute better to our community really came from so my upbringing obviously started off kind of being not really know what I'm doing being senseless being out here vibes going to the parties just going to different motives to it being more purpose focused towards the end of my secondary school years so yeah great that almost getting stabbed story that's crazy man for foreign as well and I'm guessing so that was like a pivotal moment and from there you went on to campaign for the young mayor of Newham post how was all of that period of time when you were campaigning for Young Mayor of Newham? Um, campaigning for Young Mayor of Newham was definitely challenging. It was challenging because it was I'd done that in year 11, so I was doing my GCSEs. So you can imagine me trying to explain to my African mum that I wanted to run for Young Mayor whilst I was doing my GCSEs was going to be locked. Mm. And she was not for it. She was so angry. She did not like it. And especially for us, my campaign was very like, I don't want to say chaotic, but we were very disruptive. So at the time, Westwood was quite new. So we literally went outside those Westwood stairs. We had a big banner called Vote for Hayley Melinda. Like I've got videos, I've got pictures. And we're mm. literally dancing. We put we put speakers, we're dancing, roller skating, shouting vote Hayley for young mayor. Like mm. we had fun like it was so fun and I'm actually so happy I've done that before because you know those are just moments and those are memories that you know um really you just yeah it's just nice to just just remember do you know what I mean but yeah campaigning for it was just eye-opening because in that time not only did I learn more about Newham but I learned a lot about myself in terms of what I actually care about what I'm passionate about and one thing that's been consistent with me I'm always going to be passionate for young people from ends like I'm always going to be passionate especially for the young girls from ends that for them to know that you don't have to um you don't have to make certain decisions and certain choices for you to feel that you know the best I can say is that you don't have to see your environment as a limitation you can see your environment as a ladder 
because easily we can come from low socioeconomic mm-hmm. backgrounds. We can come from boroughs like Newham, boroughs like Tower Hamlets, boroughs that obviously are like Brixton or Peckham or wherever you are from London and think, oh my gosh, I'm my environment is going to limit me, where you can actually use your environment for you to step into rooms that and educate people that don't have any insight into your background, any insight into your area. And you can be that voice. You can be that voice that actually helps people understand um, and helps people have a greater hand in how they can help your community. So, yeah. Cool. You sound like you would have been the littest young mayor ever coming in like the house like <laughs> Shepherd. Yeah. Honestly, I should have won that, but it, it's all right. <laughs> it's cool. We move on. We live. Was it around that time, yeah, that you started your public speaking as well? Yeah. So, young mayor, obviously in order for you to actually get votes, you have to start doing speeches. So that was the first time I'd ever done a speech. I remember when I'd done my first ever speech for Young Mayor in my school assembly and all my friends were laughing at me because I had this paper and I was trying to basically persuade them to vote for me for Young Mayor. So I was just like, yeah, hi guys, you already know me. My name's Hayden Blender. Like, I want to run for young, young Mayor. I need your votes and blah, 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 blah. So that was the first time I'd ever done speaking in that capacity. But it was in year 12 when um, I first actually got how I'd say I should, blah, 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 blah. The, that's the first time I'd ever got exposed to the world of public speaking or the world of motivational speaking or the world of facilitating or workshops, should I say. And it was, you know, I was in year 12. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And we had a public speaker that came to the school and he just literally lit up. He lit up the assembly and it was just like, actually, I'd love to do that. And at the time I was contemplating being a teacher or contemplating being a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer because I had been binging on two shows, How to Get Away with Murder and Scandal. So when you're watching these two shows, you're seeing Annalise Keaton or you're seeing Olivia Pope. For me, I'm here thinking, oh my gosh, like I need... I need to be a lawyer because these lot are killing it. These women are killing it. So that inspired me to want to go into law. But then when I uh, I had an older, I had a god sister who was already in university doing law at the time when I was in year 12, I saw how much she was reading. I was like, I can't commit to this. I can't commit <laughs> to reading like this. This is crazy. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I've, obviously the next decision was teaching because I love young people. I love working with young people. And I thought, okay, let me be a teacher. So when I thought, okay, let me be a teacher, I thought to myself, actually, like, I don't want to be limited to the classroom. So when I was able to see the speaker go from different schools and impact young people, I thought to myself, that's something I want to do. Like, I want to be able to work with young people, inspire them, empower them to basically do better and be better, but not be limited to one classroom or not be limited to one school. So um, at the time, I asked him to mentor me. He mentored me for a few years and just being under his mentorship, I had learned, you know, basically how to um, how to speak, how to do admin work, how to communicate, how to engage with young people. And then I went solo when I was about when I was about 18. So when I was about 18, I went solo and I started doing my own thing and I started basically running my own company and and doing speaking for different uh, schools, universities. And that's where my journey started personally. That's cool. And then around that time, so I know you went to university as well. What was the thinking behind going to university? I guess I'm assuming at that point you knew you wanted to be speaking inspire young people full time with a career. What was the thinking behind going to university yeah. then as well then? I think, you know, at the time that I was um, in school, when I was in sixth form, you know, the, the, the most inspiring path was to go to university and get a degree. So I didn't really feel like I had a choice. Um, obviously, now I think that, you know, um, minds are more open and I think there's more opportunities for young people if they don't necessarily want to go down the degree route or as to whoever they don't want to do university. But for me, I think that was the only option that was really presented properly, if that makes any sense. So that was when I just decided actually, cool, let me let me actually do something different then. Let me actually um, 
go to university and I hated university the first year of university I hated it I hated it I hated it. and I dropped out I dropped out my first year um I disliked it I ended up going into a really bad place um ended up being suicidal I had mental health issues I was depressed so I would honestly say that you know me taking um a two-year gap year and then going back to university was probably the best decision I made so um yeah even though university was offered and I took it I don't think that you know university is for everyone no definitely not and the thing is just like you're saying in school it sort of presents you like a one path where it's like you go to school you get your GCSEs your A-levels go uni get your degree then you live a life and life is good from there but life is a lot more real than that and there's a lot more paths that you can take as well to get to wherever it is you want to get to with what you mentioned there when you I know you talk quite a bit about your mental health struggles you had when you was at university and having to leave university early at that time do you mind speaking what that period of time was like for you as an individual because I know you've gone university away from you know your friends and your families that you've grown up with so that I'm guessing that must have been a tough time and also what would you say there was one singular cause or was it like a series of things that have contributed to you getting to where you were at that point in time yeah, there was a series of things. There was a series of things. I mean, I was in, I was, I was in um, my first ever serious relationship at the time, and I just encountered like a really bad breakup. So that sparked it. Me moving away from London. Um, me being um, lonely, and me also being the only black girl in my halls as well. So I did actually face some, you know, microaggression and, and racism undertones, like racial undertones as well. And um, there was there was quite a few other things, like the uni work was overwhelming. I wasn't prepared for the jump. Um, and you know, where you're in sixth form, where they come and talk about the jump from sixth form to university, it is what it is wide. It is a it's a huge jump. You know, you you don't men- you don't mentally get prepared for that jump. And a lot of university um, students are suffering in silence unfortunately and I think for me as well where I'm the speaker and where I am the person that's a strong friend where I'm the encourager I find it really hard to be vulnerable and so I think that's what piled up to me getting to a place where like all these things are bottled up it got to the place where I needed I, I, I wanted to burst I wanted to literally like scream and explode and I think it got to an to that a really bad place where I just thought actually like like Hayley you're not in a good place and I think that's when I had to feel like you know I had to tell someone like you know that I'm not in the best of places. And you spoke about just now you found it very difficult to be vulnerable because of the person you you were at that point in time how important do you think it is for people to be vulnerable especially when they're feeling like you know how you might how you were feeling back then? I think vulnerability is, is a is a superpower. I think vulnerability saves lives. I think that vulnerability is the most powerful thing that you can be because we're all human beings. Like we all have flaws. We all have problems we're going through. Like, as you said, like life isn't black and white. Life doesn't just, you know, go in a particular way. Life has its grey patches. Life has its, its ups and its downs. Like every single one of us somewhat has, you know, habits, um, patterns of thinking. We have ways that we do life, ways that we think about life because of our upbringings. We all have different upbringings. We all have different environments we all have different traumas that we've all experienced and you know some of your traumas will manifest at different points in your life and I think it's really important that you know you're vulnerable not not to others first but to yourself first I think that's the first most important thing be vulnerable to yourself first be open of yourself first be honest have those honest hard conversations like how are you you know I think the most that's the most uncomfortable conversation you could e- you could ever ask yourself like the most uncomfortable question you can ask yourself sorry is how are you because a lot of times you don't want to face yourself 
and this is why a lot of times you know we get people medicating on social media we have medicating people medicating in their jobs people who are workaholics people who um do that do end up going into drugs and toxic relationships because they're just trying to medicate that that you know that feeling that numb feeling that they feel within themselves um and I think vulnerability is the, the best way to let go of that and to really free yourself of anything that you could be holding yourself back from. For sure. You know, when with vulnerability, because I, I hear what you're saying, like 100%. And I feel like if I talk from a personal perspective, yeah, like sometimes I could find it difficult to be vulnerable. Like you say to yourself, what you just said now, where the most difficult question you can ask yourself is, how are you? With me, yeah, like with my missus, yeah, when she'll ask me, my response is always, I'm fine. I'm good. Like it's easy. One word. I'm fine. It it can brush off any kind of deeper conversation if I don't feel like I'm ready. Or sometimes, you know, you just don't want to be vulnerable. And I guess on a personal level, I've never really been vulnerable like that. And I guess that's how a lot of people. I feel like maybe a lot of people are like that as well. You know, and then that could maybe play into all of these issues that we see today. People medicating themselves using social media and crazy levels of depression and suicide, et cetera, et cetera, because people aren't being vulnerable and letting stuff out and maybe don't feel like they have anybody that they can speak to. Do you have people in your life now that you speak to that help you, you know, through yeah. these kind of things? Yeah. No, yeah, I do. I mean, I'm, I've got a therapist as well, so I do therapy every week. And then my fiance um, is an amazing, amazing soundboard. He's someone that I'm very close to. I have my best friend. I have friends as well that I do speak to as well. Um, so yeah, I have quite, a, I have quite a strong support network. If I'm being quite honest, but you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful um, that I do have that because I'm aware that not everyone has access to the same amount of people as me. So yeah. Okay. All right. Great. And then right now, so what do you do these days to help yourself to not become as mentally overwhelmed as you were back then? I think number one, I'll say four things I do. Number one is I have the honest conversations myself. I really do believe that before you can provide a solution, you must be able to acknowledge the problem. So I have those hard conversations myself. I say, Hayley, what is the root? What is the root? I think that's the most important conversation you can have with yourself. What is the root? And being able to find the root, identify the root of whatever you're feeling, whether you're feeling shame, whether you're feeling rejection, whether you're feeling guilt. Where did you start feeling like that? You know, and I think that's the number one. And number two, I have an amazing support system. So I have literally just learned literally in life that just don't be afraid to ask for help. Understand that people are there to help you. Understand that people are there to support you and literally get that help, get that help, you know, um, when you need it. I'll say number three, another thing that's helped me is being able to have like a routine. So being able to have a routine. So like Mondays is my rest days. So Mondays, I don't do any work. So I do some admin work, but I don't do any speaking engagements. I don't take no interviews. Like that's my day. Like Monday's my day. I get to do what I get to do that when I do start working again, because I'm recently, uh, recently got um, a new job, I will cater a day. Like if it's not going to be Monday, it might be Friday. It might be that day off is my day. Do you understand? And I think, you know, having that day where you can rest, having that day where you can give back to yourself, having that day where you can actually be like, okay, this is your day. This is the day that we're pouring into you. That is where you can now, you know, really start recharging. And I'll say um, the last thing and the final thing that's really helped me in this time is, um, is you know, it's, it's a spiritual answer. It's a spiritual one, but it's works for me is, you know, just prayer. It's prayer, being able to, um, you know, read um, different books while mine is the Bible and just read different books that give me some sort of peace and some grounding. I mean, everyone's different with their spiritual journey. Everyone's different. Some people believe in God, some people don't, but I'm just sharing what works for me. And for me, um, you know, my faith has been a really 
big, big thing for me. That's great. All right. So let's talk about your speaking work now. So I know you're still quite young and you started speaking very young as well. You started with the Young Mayor campaign, then from 18, we started doing it properly. So you get around, you know, you speak at a lot of places. I've got, you speak, you know, Fortune 500 companies, see speaking internationally. I was watching one of your videos on your YouTube channel and I saw you in Redmond at Microsoft. And then like, so you you get around and you speak in a lot of places. It's a short period of time as well. Mm -hmm. How did you go about building your profile, especially when you first started on getting these kind of speaking engagements? Um, I think one, one thing I really, um, I care a lot about is my personal brand. So I'm very intentional with how I build my personal brand. So I just have my, my personal brand. I want it to scream excellent. So any client that comes to my personal brand, whether that's my website, whether you're liaison with me on any of my social media platforms, like, you know, my brand. And when you see my logo, when you see my work, any, everything you see is of a good standard. That's number one. So when I started actually building my brand, I've invested a lot of my money and a lot of my time. And even when I didn't have the money, I learned the skills. So I'm actually quite, um, I'm advanced in Premiere Pro. I'm advanced in Canva, Photoshop, um, in terms of digital marketing. All these things are things I've actually built the skills set in. So when I didn't have the finance, I'd done it myself. Then when I was able to have the finances, I started outsourcing and started getting my own team to actually help me with that. So that's number one, a, a good brand. Number two is, you know, being able to build relationship, not necessarily for what people do, but who they are. So a lot of the people that I have relationship with, a lot of my clients are not like, oh, that's my client. Like some of my clients are going to be at my wedding because at the end of the day, like we're all human beings and I don't connect with you because you can give me a job or you can get me the next speaking engagement. I connect with you morally, most, mostly because we have the same morals, because we have the same values and because we have that same mission. And that same mission is to most, most, it's, it's mostly on the ground of we're helping young people or personal development, or sometimes we connect even on a faith basis. Like, as I said, even though I believe in God, I've got people around me who don't believe in God. I have people around me who are completely different religions, but because we have something we have faith in, we can have that ground and that that common um, factor. And I'll say the last thing that's helped me in terms of scaling my public speaking career, which I'm grateful for, is the word of mouth. You know, I, I go in every, whether I'm speaking to 10 people, 1,000 people, 15,000 people, I always make sure I do a good job. I always make sure that I bring my A game so that when people speak of who Haley is and speak of what I bring to the table, it's not like, mm, yeah, she's all right, you know, I make sure that my clients are like, we need her back again. Um, so I always make sure I'm on my A game and always make sure I bring, you know, a hundred every single time I'm at the table. Of course. All right. Perfect. With your speaking career, do you have any memories that come to mind instead of maybe one of your a memorable speeches that you've delivered for, for anywhere in your career so far and why that one is so memorable for you? Yeah, my my one has to be um, in 2016 when I went to Uganda. So um, my mum's of Ugandan heritage. I'm half Ugandan. And what happened is that basically um, my mum was like, yeah, I want to go to Uganda for Christmas. And I just was like, you know, okay, cool. If we're going to Uganda for Christmas, I'm going to contact like all the international schools in Uganda. And I basically want to do a book tour. So I sponsored that myself. I like I raised some money myself, was just working. Um, I was able to get um, a, a charity actually to sponsor my books to go out there. So we literally sent books out there, pens, papers, um, created goodie bags so for all the kids out there. And I went to different schools. I met the different kids. I had different conversations, you know, hearing their hearts, hearing what they want to do, being able to spend my time with young people in Uganda and just being able to be a voice that 
contributes to their their possibilities and not their limitations and I still speak to some of the kids I have spoken to there some of them are still on my social media some of them you know um I spoke to them when they were in 2016 they were like in year 10 and now they're in like you know university here in the UK you know they've been able to get here in the UK been able to help them go through their UCAS applications and all that stuff and it's it's just been it's been heartwarming it's been heartwarming to when you're able to see you know a young person's eyes light up when you tell them you can do it too or you're going to do greater because you know there's some rooms that of course I step into especially when I went to Uganda you're coming from the UK you're coming from a western country so they're like oh my gosh like I want to be mm-hmm. like you or I want to do what you're doing and you have to be that voice that affirms them and says no you're going to do better than me you're going to be greater than me because I'm not your ceiling I'm your floor I'm your platform um, and that has been the most touching work. Um, anytime I do anything to do with young people, I'm always touched because that's where my heart truly lies. Cool. That's sick. That's really cool, man. Uh, and with your speaking, yeah, so you, I know you speak with a lot of larger companies and Fortune 500, and we all know, you can correct me if I'm wrong when with your own, in your own experience, but when you go into these companies and you're speaking with more senior people, whether it's CEOs or C-suite executives, et cetera, there's always like a lack of, mm-hmm. there's a lack of diversity there, isn't there? Is there usually yeah. a typecast type of person? They come maybe a middle-aged white man, maybe probably educated, et cetera, that kind of thing is a very, very big lack of diversity. And then you being who you are, you know, you're growing, come from ends, you're young and you're speaking with these people. And I'm guessing, I'm assuming you're usually kind of by yourself in those kind of rooms and you're navigating those kind of spaces. What's it like for you mm. in when you're in those spaces and trying to navigate those kind of spaces? Um, I don't find identity in those spaces, meaning that, you know, I'm not really a sellout or anything. Like I'm not trying to go there and basically be like, be a different person. Like when I go there, I'm still the girl from ends. Like I still go there and I still speak my slang in context, of course, um, if I'm referencing, you know, the fact that mm-hmm. I'm coming from a low socioeconomic background, but also I've learned to, I've learned to speak well, like, you know, before when I first started speaking, I used to be the girl that had, you know, I, I, my vocabulary was, was limited and I used to speak a lot of slang. So there was speaking engagements I used to go into and I'd be like, yo bro, what are you saying? Like, I'm the girl, like you don't need to pattern up. Like I'd be talking to kids like, you don't need to pattern up, man, you don't need to fix up. Like, what do you mean that like, you lot are hanging around, playing and doing all that jazz? So people would be, you know, listen to me thinking, who the hell is this hood girl coming in? And that's why I got mm-hmm. educated. I got educated. I studied speakers. I, st- I, I, I expanded my vocabulary so that whether I'm speaking to the young person from ENDS or whether I'm speaking to um, a CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 or a, a, F, a FTSE 100 company, I'm able to still be able to bring myself, but still be someone who you know, is taken as serious and taken as um, a serious candidate, taken as a serious um, entrepreneur. But ultimately, one thing that I definitely would say is that when I step into these rooms, I have a mission. And the mission is to ensure that more young people and more people that look like me are in these rooms as well. So I never see it as, oh my gosh, I'm the only person. I see it as I'm the only person for now. Like for now is the key word. Like I'm the only person for now. Mm-hmm. So most of have been speaking engagements that I've been booked on that I'm literally the only black person that's, you know, on the key, on the, on the, um, the lineup as a keynote speaker, then, you know, you, you raise it up and, you know, you drop them a little email and say, Hey, thank you for having me. These are speakers that these are amazing speakers that you should consider next year. You know, I'm not the type of person that hogs my network. I'm not the type of person that thinks, oh, me, 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 I should get every opportunity. No, like if God places you in a room, it's very likely God has placed you in a room to make sure you open up the doors or kick down the doors for other people to walk into. So, um, 
yeah I don't take it personal anymore you know normally I, I see it as a challenge if I'm the only person that's ever in a in a room it's kind of like okay oh who else can I get in here you know who else can benefit from this room and, and that's basically the mindset that I'm in that's cool and on the topic of speaking engagements and just speaking in general so you found your voice very young been speaking and putting yourself out there in a public forum in a public way for quite a while how did you find yeah. your voice how did I find my voice I think I'm still finding my voice I think I think you know you your your voice will evolve as your story evolves. I don't think that I don't think you ever find your voice. I think I think you find your rhythm. So I think I find my style of speaking. So I'm very conversational. I like humor. I love to banter. I'm very personal. You know, I love being able to relate with someone on a on a first name basis. It's not that I would ever call someone miss or ma'am. I'm the type that I'd you know relate with someone on a first name basis. I'm I'm very yeah. I'm just a very personal person, but. In terms of me finding my voice, I would say something that's helped me. Um, I think for anyone that's trying to find your find your voice, first find yourself. <laughs> I think when I started to discover me myself, like who I am, what do I stand for, what are my beliefs, what are my morals, what are my values, like you know, Tupac Shakur said something. You know, if you if you don't stand for anything, if you don't live for anything, you'll fall for anything. You know, and you've got to have something you live for. You have to have a value you stand by. You know, and one of the things I stand by more than anything is integrity. Who are you offline? Who are you behind the scenes? Who are you behind the suit? Who are you behind the title? If you lose all your money, if you lose your job, if you lose everything, like who are you? And can people who are, pe- are the, basically, this is the question I always ask people, like the people you live with, can they come and say you're that same person? That's what integrity is. Like, mm. there's no way that I can be out here inspiring thousands of people. Like, I can be out here basically trying to save the world, but my mum thinks I'm a, I'm a crude person. She thinks I'm disgusting. She thinks that I'm disrespectful. Like, that, 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 that defies the odds. It defies the odd of what it means to basically change the world. Like, how can you be out here just doing inspiring things, but in your own household, you're causing chaos? Do you know what I mean? So for me, integrity is everything. And I think that's the, the everything that I speak from is always from that, it's always from that place, it's always anchored from that place. So all my messages somewhat always do line up with integrity. They always line up with vulnerability. They always line up with, you know, you being your true self and you finding yourself. So that's why I always come and say, if you are looking to find your voice, which I don't think is a destination, I think it's a journey, but ultimately finding your voice first comes from you finding yourself. Cool. Yeah, I hear you. That's really good. So let's talk about role models. So you speak quite a bit, especially recently, I've heard you speak not wanting to be a role model or the limitations that come with being seen as being a role model. Um, and I suppose that's because you feel like you have to, you know, you've got to fit a certain mold. Like, oh, I'm Hayley, I'm a speaker. Yeah. I, I need to be like, you know, prim and proper. I've got to be like this. I can't do music or I can't do anything else. How do you like remain true to yourself, you know, stay authentic as you're growing and evolving in your career and as a person? um I, I'm around a, very, a lot of authentic people like my squad is real like we roll deep like the girls that I as, as I said the girls that I roll with are the girls that I was rolling with back then um like quay 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 back then so when I'm bantering when I'm having my jokes I'm not talking to people that don't know me like these are the people like I've got all types of friends by the way so like not all my friends are coming from a single parent household not all my friends are black not all my friends are even Christian like I've got friends from all types of walks of life you know what I mean but having these friends that know me for me keeps me grounded and also I come from a very humble background like coming from you know Ugandan heritage like Ugandan people are very humble like we're very humble people so having a very humble mum having a humble brother having my family members also you know quite humble people you start to think to yourself actually like why do I want to do that or you know you start questioning your motives and I think those are the things that allow me to be authentic but 
ultimately, like, I'll be real. I've been in certain circles that I've seen, I've seen fake. I've been in certain circles or certain rooms where I've seen where integrity, when integrity is not honoured, how, how much damage it can bring. You know, I've seen, I've just seen things, you know, even though, yes, I'm young, I've had a lot of mentors in life and I've exposed myself to certain rooms. I've exposed myself to certain conversations. I've exposed myself to certain scenarios where I've learned. I really do believe that, you know, you either learn through mentorship or you learn through mistakes. And sometimes I'm grateful that I've learned through mentors that, oh my gosh, don't do that. Don't live that way. Don't do this. Don't do that. Or do it this way. Do it that way. Go that way. Go like that. So yeah, I think, you know, authenticity has definitely been a journey. I wouldn't 100% be, say I'm there yet. I don't think I honestly don't think anybody who has truly hacked authenticity because there's many things that as human beings, we still find it hard to be true to ourselves. So as I'm on the journey of being true to myself, I think from that place, you know, you evolve to be more authentic with others as well. That's it. And you know, what it is when you talk about not 100% being true to yourself, it ties in with what you said earlier about asking yourself that tough question. How are you? And then just being true to yourself, like this is how I am and mm-hmm. keeping it 100% real. Um, and I suppose in doing that helps you to be your, be as authentic as you can be, I suppose, you know, by being yeah. true to yourself like that. Looking back on your career so far, what would you say you're most proud of achieving? Oh, that's a good question. Looking back on my career so far, what am I most proud of achieving? Oh, I've, got to, I've got to say the girls that I mentor. You know, I've got a group of girls that I mentor. They're my excellence babies. I call them my excellence babies. They're my little sisters. Um, in mm. lockdown, I had a, quite a few lot of young girls message me saying they wanted me to wanted me to mentor them. At the time when I was getting these messages, I was like, oh, I don't want to mentor these kids. Like, uh, they could they need to go away. And then I thought to myself, mm. lockdown here, I had a lot of time on my hands, and I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of you, all the girls that contacted me, there was about 18, 19 of them. Every single one of you that's contacted me, I'm going to put you in a group chat. You don't, you lot don't know each other and we're going to meet every single week and we're just going to literally talk about life. We're going to talk about life. You're going to share your stories. I'm going to share mine. I'm going to learn from you. You're going to learn from me. You're going to learn from each other. You're going to build a sisterhood. Um, any fights that take place amongst like, you can ask any of them. I became their mum. Literally, I became like their big sister. I was like, any fights that take place amongst any of you, like make sure I don't get involved because when I get involved, it's going to get harsh. Like I gave rules. I came and said, mm. no one's going to be chatting anyone's business in here. It's confidential. Whatever shared is here, shared is here. If I come in here, that like you've been sharing everyone's business, like you're going to see, like I started threatening some of them, obviously not physically, but you know, just mm. giving them that big system and be like, no, we're here, we're family. We, we stick together. And, you know, just, you know, evolving with them, evolving with them, evolving with them. Like, you know, they saw me get vulnerable. They saw me cry. They, they've seen me in my bonnet. They've seen me in my headscarf. They've seen me cry. They've seen me look mash up. They've seen me go through my hardest seasons. I've seen them go through their hardest seasons. We we pay, we face that pandemic together as a family. And my, yeah, my, my proudest moment has to be seeing them evolve, seeing them, you know, some of them have, you know, graduated. One of them literally just gone to Cambridge. One of them just gone to Oxford. Like, it, it's it's beautiful when you see, you know, and every single one of them is from ends. Like none of them is not coming from like a lot. Every single one of them is coming from working class families. And it was just a matter of us coming together and just saying, we want to be in the rooms that we were told we can never be in. And me taking them under their, their, my wing and saying like, yes, I know that I've stepped into certain rooms, but I don't want you to ever look at what I'm doing and think, oh my gosh, like hell's, you're 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 the furthest we can go it's like no you've got to go further than me you know so I'm very passionate about mentoring 
very passionate and that's definitely the most that's definitely the most proudest thing of my career hands down hands down that's cool uh next question it might tie in a bit with that one actually but what would you say is one of your highest highs and one of your lowest lows on your journey so far it can be professional or personal yeah my highest highs it definitely has to be that mentoring my girls my highest highs um as well it was it was definitely getting engaged you know I think you know the reason why I say that is because you know I've been very independent for a very long time so with my brand and what I do like you know it was coming to a reality of that I don't have to build alone um and I think it was also just being open at the fact that hey like um you don't you don't yeah you don't have to build alone and you can have someone be be your support system and build with build alongside you and I think that I've gotten better stronger since getting with my partner and I've been able to really navigate you know certain things that I wouldn't have been able to navigate myself um I want to share one more high and it's not necessarily to do with speaking but it was actually me jumping into music um, so I don't know if you know that I do music on the side, so I'm actually a rapper, part-time kind of, but the reason why I say that is because for such a long time, I boxed myself in speaking, I boxed myself in the corporation world, I boxed myself with everything I've been able to do. And I think me jumping into music was me challenging myself and saying like, Hey, you love music. You've been writing music since you were a kid. Like, why is it that you tell everyone else to pursue their dreams? You tell everyone to be true to themselves and you're not doing that you're not you're not doing what you love and I think that was me being holding myself accountable to pursue something I truly love so I definitely would say that's the highest that one of my definitely one of my highs of my career um I'll say the lows that I've had um the lows of lows I definitely would say you know have been some of the one of the years I think it was 2017 like I was in minus literally like the whole year I was like, my finances were bad. I didn't, I didn't know financial well-being. I, I hadn't, I had no insight into finances. I had no insight in terms of how to build financially, how to manage my money. And you know, your finances do really have a big, you know, a big um, effect on your mental health. You know, I'm grateful and I thank God that I'm in a, a, a great place financially and I have a lot of financial stability and financial freedom. But before that, I never had that. And you know, when you're in that place and you feel like you have to have people around you to support you it, it can sometimes be hard because as I said I was never the person that really asked for help so that was definitely one of my lows of lows I definitely would say number two one of my lows of lows um has been just you know just internally dealing with imposter syndrome I think a lot of people assume that because I'm smiley and I'm confident like I don't deal with imposter syndrome like sometimes you go into rooms and you think to yourself bloody hell like what the hell am I doing here like who like (laughs) why am I here and you start thinking to yourself like god like why am I even in this room and you start battling yourself you start thinking you're not good enough you start thinking you're not worthy and that's definitely something I've had to really overcome and actually put put you know on myself and just be like Haley you're worthy of this like you're called to be in this room because you are good enough you know and um I think yeah that's definitely been one of that things and I'll say number two one of the things that has uh sorry number three which is the last thing of my lows of lows is the lows of lows or what would I say it was I'll say COVID I would say COVID, um, even though I was still able to like make money and get clients and stuff, it was such an, it was just such an uncertain time. It was like just the uncertain time. You don't know what was going on. And at the time COVID started, I was in my second year of uni, going into my third year of uni. So I literally just graduated last summer. 
my last year of uni was the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And being able and and having to balance that whilst you're in COVID, then you're doing speaking, you don't know when your next income is coming from, you don't know what's going on. Like that was such a challenging time and not really feeling like I had the support because I was doing my whole, dis- I'd done my dissertation from home. I was doing my dissertation in my bed and even just getting that discipline, like that was so hard. That was so hard. So I definitely would say that those are my my three lowest of lows um, in terms of like career, personal wise as well. I would, can think of this on my head, yeah. Yeah, cool. That's perfect. All right. Um, what advice would you have for other people who are wanting to use their voice in the same manner you're using your voice to effect some kind of positive change? I would say use social media. I think a lot of time, like, we're always thinking, like, you know, we've got to be, like, on a platform, you've got to be on a stage, but social media is your stage. Like, I, my first, my, the reason why my speaking career took off is because I posted a video on YouTube when I, was, when I was 17 years old. Like, I was in year 12, and I got my friend to come and film me on YouTube, and I put it on a, I put it on YouTube, and a teacher emailed me on my personal email because it was attached to my YouTube, she emailed me was like hey like I see that you go into schools obviously they didn't know it was my own school so they assumed that I go into schools they were like hey we see you go into schools like would you be coming to come to my my school and talk to my kids I bunked school to go to that speaking engagement now obviously it's like it's not a good thing to promote (laughs) but you know it all came off YouTube and then literally that summer when I was leaving sixth form I started um, uploading little snippets of me speaking on my um on my Twitter. So it'll be like 15 minutes of like little small, small, like 15 seconds, sorry, of small, small motivation. And it would just get bare retweets, bare retweets, bare retweets. And I used to push it hard because I used to, I would DM like 50 people on Twitter and be like, yo, repost this, repost this. And I know people will probably get annoyed thinking, oh damn, this girl's back again. Like she's out here, but I've I've I worked hard. Like I've pushed my content. I was like, listen, you you are gonna listen to this thing. You know, I'm going to listen to this. And um, yeah, then from there, people message me be like, oh, we know you're speaking. Can you come speak here? Can you come speak here? And I was always documenting, like, you can type my name on YouTube and you will see, you will see speaking clips of me from when I was 16. Like, I'm not capping. Like, I've always documented from very beginning. Like, this is what I do. And the reason why I document it is so that when I'm getting to the age of 50s and the 60s, there's still evidence on the internet that, right, this girl's been doing it for a time. And I also feel that, you know, when you when you document and when you use your social media platform, like you're allowing yourself to not be so hard on yourself. Cause you know, when you're in these corporate settings and when you're in certain rooms, like there's rules, isn't it? Like there's certain rules that like, you can't really be yourself. But we live in a we live in a time where people don't want you to be rigid. People want you to just be real. So being on social media just allows you to be yourself. Like own your thing, own your message and just be real. That's it. That's perfect. That's really good. And Last question before we go into quick fire questions. What do you want your legacy to be? What do I want my legacy to be? Oh, I want my legacy to always say, I always say this, I want to be the Bill Campbell of my generation. What does Bill Campbell do? Bill Campbell was the mentor and the coach of all the Silicon Valley icons from Mark Zuckerberg to Steve Jobs to, um, to the COO of Uber to... Just the, all, the, all, the, all the iconic people, Eric Schmidt, who's the current CEO of Alphabet, which is which is Google, um, all these people were mentored by Bill Campbell. I would love to walk into a room when I'm 60 and I'm seeing the CEO of BT, the CEO of Apple. I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. 
and it's all the girls or all the guys are from ends. It's all the people that had limitations. It's all the people that were told no. And they come up to me and, you know, they're able to come and say that, listen, because it doesn't even have to say because of you, but because of programs or because of things that are set in place, they can come and say this is possible. Like all I want, all I want is I want to be able to be a voice that contributes to the next generation tapping into possibilities and not limitations, regardless of where you come from, regardless of what background you have. Like that's what I think I want my legacy to be. And also lastly, I want my legacy to also stand for being a good mother and a good wife and a good friend. Because I think a lot of the time we can think about, you know, achieving great things, but we don't think about being great people. And those that what my husband's gonna think and what my children will think of me and what the my friends will think of me is more important than what the world will think of me because at least, you know, as I said, it's about integrity. It's about what do the people behind closed doors, what are they going to say about you? So, yes, that's the legacy front on that side, but there's a legacy front in terms of my character too. So, yeah. Perfect. That's really good. And I like that last point you made about being a good person, like having been, having some integrity, like you spoke about before as well. I guess that's what matters in the end, isn't it? Um, being true to yourself. Perfect. All right, that's that. So let's go into some quick fire questions, yeah? So cool. with the questions, we've got 20 seconds per question. It starts off cool. I feel a bit easier and then gets a little mm-hmm. bit more like, cool, I might have to think about it. But 20 seconds, uh, just wherever comes to your head, shout it out. <laughs> we go with that. Right, cool. cool. First question, what's your favourite movie? Favourite movie, The Warriors. Cool, I haven't even seen it. I don't see enough movies. Cool. <laughs> Second question, <laughs> what's your favourite book? My favourite book, um, Trillion Dollar Coach by Eric Schmidt and um, Alan Eagle. I think it's Alan. Yeah. yeah. Tr- trillion Dollar Coach. I forgot the author's name, but yeah, Trillion Dollar Coach. Cool. Perfect. Uh, three. Name a song that you can never get bored of. Tevin Campbell, Can We Talk? Ah, oh, classic. Classic. My name's sick. <laughs> cool. Uh, fourth <laughs> question. If you can only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Oh my gosh. One food for the rest of my life. Oh, that's bad. Oh, mm. fruit. I, d- I know that's not a thing. Fruit. It has to be fruit. <laughs> cool. Some sort of fruit. Healthy. Yeah. At least. Fifth question. How do you start your day? How do I start my day? Oh, it's so bad because I have the intention to want to start in prayer, but it's TikTok. I start my day on TikTok. I really do. I start my day on TikTok. <laughs> cool. That's that's all good. That's you being your authentic self, keeping it real. So that's cool. Yeah. Next uh, question. Name three people that inspire you. Three people that inspire me. My mum, definitely. Second is my fiance. And number three, I'll say my big brother. Perfect. All right. Next question. What's the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received was from a previous mentor after Microsoft. I remember just feeling quite drained. And he literally said, after every high, go low before God, um, which means like, don't ever allow anything you accomplish to get to your head. Like always remember that there's a bigger there's a bigger purpose and be grateful to God. So always get low, always make sure you pray like before every hire to remember that, you know, to stay grounded back to him. So that's the best advice I've ever gotten. Perfect. All right. Next question. If you were to dedicate the rest of your life to one charitable cause, what would you pick? Getting these kids out of ends. That is my charitable cause. I've got to get knife crime. It has to be knife crime. Like there's we we've lost too many boys and too many like kings on our street to 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 knife crime. So that would be the cause that I'll yeah, be for the rest of my life. Perfect. All right. Last two questions. 
What's the kindest thing somebody's ever done for you? Oh, the kindest thing that anyone's ever done for me. Oh gosh, people have done amazing and kind things, I'll be honest. But the top of my head, honestly, is buy me foods. I'm such a foodie. If you buy me food, like you are literally in like my good books. Like that's I think that's the kind of thing you do for anyone. Like buy me food and pray for me. But yeah, food and pray for me, two things. Cool. Buy you fruit. <laughs> like if you're fruit craving. <laughs> Not food, like food, not fruit. Buy me food. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm messing. Ignore me. <laughs> right. oh, okay. Last question, yeah. What's one thing people don't know about you? Oh, one thing that people don't know about me, I was having this conversation with a friend recently. Like, I love documentaries. Like, I watch documentaries on the most random things, random people. And I love being able to study people. And I get obsessed with studying, like, people. So, like, at the moment, I'm studying everything to do with Malcolm X. So I'm watching all the interviews. I'm watching all his interviews. I'm watching every documentary to do with him because I just love being able to be, like, proper engrossed in something I'm studying. So, yeah, I love everything to do with documentaries and stuff. So, yeah. All right, cool. That's that, man. We've gone gone through everything. You got any closing remarks before we wrap up? Yeah, the closing remarks is obviously life is about accomplishing great things and achieving great things, but ultimately it's about being a great person. So just that my hope is that anyone that listens to this, they'll get that reminder of integrity and just remember to be like a good friend, remember to be a good daughter, remember to be a good sister, a good, good partner, you know, good human being that's literally what legacy should really all be about at the end of the day so yeah cool perfect and yeah where, where can people find you if they want to keep up to date what's happening on your side um where people can find me is at Haley Melinda everywhere so h-a-y-l-e-y-m-u-l-e-n-d-a um at the moment I'm off Instagram and Twitter I don't know when I'm coming back I may be coming back <laughs> Oh, pardon me, I may be coming back in March, but I'm off Instagram and Twitter at the moment, but I'm on TikTok. So literally Hayley Melinda everywhere. So you can follow me on my socials. And when I'm back properly on social media, then you'll see me wheeling up. But yeah, and everything to do with like inquiry, speaking, it's www.hayleymelinda.com. So yeah, everything literally is, you can literally just Google my name and everything will come up. So yeah. Cool. All right. That's perfect. All right. So thank you once again for coming to the podcast, Hayley. Very, very, very much appreciated. Loads of gems to take away from our conversation today. And until next time, people, that was 1000 Voices. That was This was Hayley Melinda, and we're out. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and I hope you enjoyed this interview with Hayley today. It'll be great to hear back from some of you people and let me know what you thought about the interview, what you think about 1000 Voices in general. Any and all feedback is very, very, very much appreciated. If you like what we're about and what we stand for, then please do subscribe to us on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast on right now. Your subscriptions really help us in getting our message out there as far and wide as possible. Next week, we're going to have another very, very special guest on the podcast and we will be dropping some clips on our social media handles. So follow us at 1000 Voices UK on every platform if you'd like to see some previews from the episode coming up next week. But that's that for now. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast today. This is 1000 Voices. That was Hayley Melinda and we're out.